0: Hey, we're finally doing it. Okay, I want to introduce somebody that that is a longtime friend. Um, I don't know how to how to describe him as a uh, an uncle, a father figure, but I'm so glad that you were giving the time. I know your time is valuable. Talk to me for thirty minutes. This is Jimmy Haslam Jr. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, Charlie. This is awesome. Now you got to take me serious, Jimmy. It's loose. <laughs> it's a podcast. But you got to take me serious, which I know we can't. <laughs> You don't want me to you to shave or anything? No. Cut your hair shave. (laughs) Tuck your shirt in. I got it. All right. I know we don't have a lot of time, and you're the first guest I've had that I've made questions for because I know all my listeners are interested in the type of guy you are, who you are. I love you to death. I think the world of you. Um, You come in this wood gym. You give it all you got every time. All these kids are so impressed with who the hell's the old man working out in here, jumping on boxes and running turf. So... The theory of my podcast are type A personalities, and everybody has a type A personality, but since I've known you for the last 20 years, your father, I think I trained before you, is what keeps you going, it's a two-part question, what keeps you going at 65 years of age, the way that I have the utmost respect for you of how you get after it every day you're the world's busiest man i've never met anybody busier than you and this is total respect of saying this what keeps you going and how did you come to the conclusion after graduating from the university of tennessee that you wanted to work in the oil business yeah, is it okay if I go in reverse? Yes. Yeah, I, I say
1: this, and, uh, and I'm only somewhat kidding. I didn't have a lot of other job offers. And I literally started working for my dad, uh, who started with one gas station in 1958. When I was 12 or 13 years old, most of your listeners probably won't remember this, but you used to pull in a gas station, and somebody came out and filled up your tank for you. and So I started out pumping gas. Now, in your home state, New Jersey, you you still have to do that, but everywhere you put full-service gas. So I really worked for my dad for pilot most of the way through high school and college, had a couple other jobs. And as you know from being around us, my dad and I have a great relationship. We've always been best friends, and so I never even considered— Not that I had any other offers going to work anywhere else. In terms of work drive, I just, you know, I like doing things. I like being around interesting people, like getting things done. So it's um, somebody once told me, if you like going to work and you like going home, you're blessed. And fortunately, that's how we feel.
0: Boy, you could tell he's done this before. He's got the the answers down. (laughs) Kudos. All right. The next question that I always like, and everybody does the same with me, is can you give me just – a day in the life of jimmy a day in the life of like from waking up to go to bed
1: yeah and it a little bit depends because we really work two places now we work in knoxville for pfj and then we work in cleveland with the browns and both of them are just a distinct privilege um you, you know like i don't get up as early as i used to i usually i usually get up at five forty-five or 6 and unless i travel that day and have to leave early or i'm out of town always work out uh so start out with a workout and then try to get in the office and be ready to go about eight, eight thirty. Um always eat lunch with somebody in either our Browns facility or our PFJ facility. And then I don't go as late as I used to. I usually get home about uh seven ish now and Dee and I'll have dinner and talk and we may watch a movie, uh, may work a little bit and then do it again the next day.
0: Again another great answer. I love it. All right, now you know we're gonna go quick because i know he's pushed for time um what made you get into the nfl ownership and i knew from the steelers how did you you know you always ask people like chewy i never knew how he figured out how to climb all the mountains and he goes man just one day i wanted to start climbing the peaks of all the seven peaks in the world like did you i know you're a sports nut i know you're Athletic, You love doing all that stuff. We used to go to the Titans games all the time. I just never actually saw it coming. I don't know if anybody else did besides, you know, your close friends and and family. But how did you go, man, I want to get an NFL team. And what team, take the viewers and listeners, do you go, I want to try to call Art Rooney and get some of that, or do you go what's on the market?
1: Yeah, let's start by saying there's a lot of luck in life. And as you know, because you've been around with Dad so much, I grew up around sports. Dad played football in Tennessee. All we did growing up was play various sports or go watch sports. And once pilots started uh, achieving at least a little bit of degree of success, we started thinking, man, it would be the dream of all dreams to own an NFL team. But they don't turn over very much. It's hard to get them. And one day out of the blue, an investment banker called me, and I'd had dinner with him about 10 years before um, because Pilot's always borrowing money to build more truck stops. And we were leaving, and it was a young man named Randy Campbell, and he didn't say much. And as we were leaving, I said, Randy, what do you do? And he said, well, my specialty is pro sports franchises. And I said, well, if anything ever comes up, give me a card. Literally 10 years later, he called, and he said, the Steelers need to bring in some outside partners. They want to bring in four partners and would you be interested? And I thought about it, and I said, "Nah, we're we're really not minority kind of guys." So uh, I passed. And he called back about a week later, and he said, "Do you ever go to Pittsburgh?" And I said, "And here's where the luck comes in." He says, "Matter of fact, I'm going in about or I'm going in about a week. We just opened a truck stop right outside of Pittsburgh in Smithton, Pennsylvania." He said, "Why don't you go by and have lunch with Art and Dan Rooney?" Well, like you and like a lot of your listeners, I love sports. I thought, well, heck, that'd be crazy. And I'd take an hour and a half to go by see see somebody like that and i'll never forget this they train the steelers in the university of pittsburgh train in the same place the university of pittsburgh is on the ground floor the steelers are on the top floor so i went in and introduced myself here to see uh mr rooney and mr rooney and they said uh, just go on up to the second floor and somebody will be waiting on you so i punched the elevator went up to the second floor like we've all done and i don't care whether you like sports or not whether you're You know, I think in the time I was in my mid fifties, or you're, you know, ten years old, that door opened and there were four Super Bowl trophies in a in a case, and I go, man, that's pretty cool, and went back and had uh, lunch with the Roonies, and the Rooney's reputation is well deserved. They are as fine a people as I've ever met. Dan Rooney, who just died, who of course is the author of the Rooney Rule um, that encourages diversity hiring, minority hiring. He was also ambassador to Ireland. Is I rank him up there with my dad. He's a great man. And art is my age. So we hit it off and had a good lunch. And here's where it gets funny. So I came home and told Dad and Bill that I thought this is something I wanted to look at. And Dad, Bill said, well, let me think about it. And Dad says, that's a terrible idea. You don't want to own minority. It's a lot of money. You're going to have no control. I don't know why you'd do that. So I said, well, they want me to come to New York and meet with the NFL and meet them up there why don't you go with me and he said sure i'll do that and the whole way up he's dogging me about why are you doing this is stupid idea it's a lot of money you don't want to do this well, we get up there and dad played service football after he finished playing at tennessee and his coach was al davis the famed oakland raiders coach and sure. owner and uh he and mr rooney of course were great friends and uh al davis and mr rooney well dad and mr rooney hit it off perfectly in art, and I guess it was Roger Goodell, the commissioner at the time, and I talked for a long time. We'd get back in the car to take us back to the airport, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, when are we going to do it? So he had the 180 <laughs> turn. When we did it, we we were honest with NFL and the Steelers and said, listen, if a chance to own a team ever comes up, we'd love to do it. And after two or three years, NFL started saying, okay, where would you want to own a team? And we said, well, it needs to be east of Mississippi because we got Pilot and all our family lives there. And... One day they called and said, okay, it's the Cleveland Browns, and you have one month to negotiate a deal, or they're going to put it on the auction block. And so we met with a guy named Randy Lerner, I met him up in New York in the Hamptons, and over the course of a month, uh, we're able to work things out uh, with them. And like I said, there's a lot of luck involved. So it's one thing led to another, and we sold our stake in the Steelers and bought our stake in the Browns.
0: So when did you purchase some of your stake in the Steelers? What year? Let's see.
1: That was I'll tell you a funny story, Charlie. I think we were contacted in July of 08, went up there the first time in October of 08, and the Steelers were having just a so-so year, and they went on a hot streak in 07, I'm sorry, and they won the Super Bowl in 08. So we're down on the field. I remember looking over at Dee. She's 10 feet from Ben Roethlisberger. The confetti's coming down. It's a totally surreal moment, and we hadn't even written a check yet, so we got these big Super Bowl rings, hadn't written a check yet, and that was the first year. The third year, we went to the Super Bowl again and lost uh, to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers had tremendous game and I thought well this isn't that hard and then, of course since we've been to Browns it's been a huge struggle because it's tough to learn pro football uh, but hopefully we're making some progress now and got the right people in the right place
0: I like it, that's a lot that's a lot. I, I do remember a couple trips with you that I took took with him to make Kansas sure he was, City. he was doing the right things with the Steelers. The Kansas City trip. I think I was telling Doctor James Chu, the guy I had on my first guest, about that story, and he was blowing snot bubbles out this morning talking about that one. So, um, okay, now now let's do the correlation. How is it different running pilot? To the correlation or parallel to the Cleveland Browns because you know I mean pilot travel centers how you merged the Flying J and pilot travel centers was amazing I mean and that took a lot of time we were training you'd always out in the parking lot and going hey I'm still on a phone call I mean it was I saw it in you of how you how you grew that but you were actually here for that. You were in on site a lot more. Remember, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah. I, so, how was the correlation? I think it's
1: different, and I'll, I'll make the analogy to Art Rooney. Art's grandfather, they called him Chief. Uh, he was Art Rooney the first, started the Steelers. So, that was their family business. My father, Jim Haslam, started, um, pilot and which became pilot flying J. so we grew up in the business and you know as of now i've worked here 43 years at that time i'd probably when we bought in the steelers i would probably worked there 33 years so when you grow up with something charlie and it's it'd be like you in training it's pretty much all you've done your adult life you have a really good feel for it and then you think well owning a, another business success will come easy but it's different and we didn't grow up with the business number one and number two at that time, we weren't really living there. We had a home, but we're going back, back and forth, mainly in Tennessee, and we're still running Pilot Flying J. So, candidly, we underestimated the amount of time and effort it takes to be successful as an NFL owner. So it was a steep learning curve, and it'll. I doubt I'll ever know as much about an NFL franchise as I do about Pilot Flying J, just because we've done it so long.
0: Yeah, because I remember – i remember sitting on the end of the bench i don't know four or five years ago because i mean this guy gets beaten up from the media left and right i mean it's so surreal watching espn and you're getting just tanked and i said jimmy what have you learned about being an owner in the nfl and you know he's dog tired he's just finished a dumbbell bench and he just looks up and goes I got a lot to, I learned I have a lot to learn yeah. in the NFL.
1: Well, Dee says it well. There's no manual for being an NFL owner. And I, I spoke about Mr. Rooney earlier and he's a great man. And all of the owners will help you on the business side, but none of them will help you on the football side. And I remember calling Mr. Rooney when we were in one of our head coaching searches and two or three of our candidates had at one time been in the Steeler organization. And Mr. Rooney was always super nice to me and super helpful. And I would call and I'd say, Mr. Rooney, what about this guy? And he goes, You ought to talk to him. And I said, Well, what about this guy? And he goes, You ought to talk to him. He says, Well, what about this guy? And he goes, You ought to talk to him. I said, Thanks, Mr. Rooney. I appreciate your time because <laughs> it was clear he wasn't going to help me
0: when I owed
1: No. Wow.
0: All right. So, so now, I mean, you've made so many drastic changes. And I just don't know what I get from everybody in here because they know how close we are. It's like, Why would Jimmy take on? The Cleveland Browns Why You know We talked about that A little bit Was it oh, He doesn't need the money and And it's always that way And I was like He's not About I mean I know we are But that's not what you know, let, let me
1: say this, Charlie. Excuse me. Um, owning an NFL franchise is a real privilege, and we say that all the time. There's only 32 of them. Um, it's a great group of partners you have. Um, the NFL is exceptionally well run. It's the premier sports league, not only in the country but in the world. So, to be part of that is a real privilege. So, even through the bleakest times, we never once, despite what you might have written, might have read, said, "I wish we hadn't have done this," or "We don't like this." You know, we just figured we'd keep plugging away at it. So, It's a challenge. It's interesting. It's fun. What we underestimated is how high profile it is. So when you win a game or you lose a game or you draft the wrong player or hire the wrong coach, everybody knows about it. We have good months and some less good months at Pilot, but the only people that know about it are our management team. We make some good hires, occasionally some bad hires, but we're the only ones that know about it. In the NFL, particularly in today's social media age, everybody knows everything. It amazes me when we make a trade or sign a player i mean we literally haven't hung up and it's flashing on the nfl network or, or espn
0: did you imagine the uh, the notoriety that you get now compared way,
1: to way 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 underestimated it's um i don't want this to come across wrong but you know bill my brother's been governor for eight years dad of course the most I'd say the most prominent person in town. And Dee and I go out to eat dinner here, and nobody bothers you. But in Cleveland, because you um – um it's not because of me, it's because of our association with the Browns. Everybody recognizes you, everybody wants to talk to you, and I'll say this, Cleveland has phenomenal sports fans, phenomenal sports fans. I'll make this analogy to your listeners who are here in Knoxville and Big Orange Country. Just as Tennessee, Knoxville rises and falls with how well the Vols or the Lady Vols are doing, Cleveland is the exact same thing with the Browns, and that's why it was so exciting to go on that winning streak last year in the fans after we signed Odell and brought in some other players and with Baker's emergence are fired up to the max.
0: So, yeah. So I've been out with you here before. I've been out with you in South Florida before, but that was when you were Jimmy Haslam, the pilot, you know, like you were very recognizable, but like going to the Browns, even walking out of the tunnel with you is different. Cause everybody, I mean, how do you, how, do you go out? Like he used to? Or? You know,
1: we go out some. We, we go out some. Not a lot. As you know, we work pretty hard, and we have to travel a lot for business, so fairly private with our private time, so not a lot, but some. But, listen, the fans are great, and they just want to talk to you or wish you luck, so we don't begrudge that at
0: all. Do you see yourself staying? I mean, like you said, the team came up, and it was Cleveland, because I think everybody, even everybody in here was like, wow, Cleveland Browns, he's going Yankee country is going to be a you know, and he's going to have a whole different accent and snow and all the stuff that I like in the food and the Little Italy district was amazing. Do you see yourself like? A Clevelander Is that what they're called? Yeah, you
1: know, listen, we were born and grew up here in East Tennessee, so it'll always be home, and a lot of our family is here. But we spent a tremendous amount of time in Cleveland. Whitney, our oldest daughter, and her husband, J.W., lived there, as you know, along with three grandsons. So we've met great fans up there, In the Midwest is a great place to live. And believe it or not, you grew up in New Jersey, you get used to the cold weather. The only mm-hmm. time it's really tough is this time of year when it's nice and the grass is green and up there there uh, we had three inches of snow on sunday on march 31st so spring comes late but it's a great town people in the midwest have great work ethic and like i said it's a huge sports town
0: okay Last
1: remember sports. when the Cavs won just one thing excuse me if you're no, right, no, you go go when We're they had that parade um they had mm-hmm. a million people there when the Cavs won so think about that a million people here's one other statistic cleveland's real proud of there was not one single arrest
0: I mean, every time I was up there and the times that I've stayed, I love the city. I mean, you stay at the nine, the hotel or whatever. It's a it's a great vibe. And, And like he said, and we were fortunate enough to have a tennis pro down here from Cleveland, Ohio, that's up there now. And he was when he was here. He followed every sport. I mean, he knew who Jan Gomes was. I mean, yeah. in here going, oh, my God, Jan Gomes is in here. Like, he's the catcher for the – the, your sport fans are amazing. I yeah. mean, like you said, the correlation to UT, I think. Was that by luck that that just happened, that it was – I'm going to get the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it was pure
1: luck. I mean, it, it could have – first of all, it was luck that a team was even available. And second of all, uh, Randy Lerner didn't want it to go to a big auction, and so the NFL, it was somewhat of an arranged marriage. And so um, was, I keep saying this. It was pure luck. And and
0: and we'll wrap it up. I just want one, two questions, 20 minutes. We're good. Thank you, program director. I appreciate it. On the late Friday Highly night. Highly paid drive, John. <laughs> <laughs> She's just happy that, you know, things are going her way. All right, so.
1: No softball game tonight.
0: No softball Thanks, game tonight. Jimmy. Yes, <laughs> you can relax tonight and not get thrown out. Um, the The month that, the intriguing thing that I never knew is, and I'm with you and close, and I bat a lot of things off this guy and call him, and, and it's, it's nice because I don't have a dad anymore, and Jimmy and his whole family have taken me, in like a dad, like a big family, it's awesome, is that month when they go, hey, I don't know who they is that calls you and NFL. says, NFL. Yeah. You're going to just say NFL. Okay. Yeah. NFL calls you. You got one month. Well, do you get juiced on that, so to speak, of like, okay, it's wheeling and dealing because that's what you do. You're, you're- yeah,
1: it was like any other business transaction. There were times that um, – we thought it would happen, and there are times when we we thought it wouldn't, and I won't name the owner, because I don't think that'll be fair, but there was actually a time late in the month that I just thought, this isn't going to work out, it's too much money, it doesn't make sense, and I called the NFL and told them that. Within five minutes, they had a prominent NFL owner call me and said, hey, I know where you are, I've been there myself, um, just sleep on it tonight, because you may never get this chance again, and... We did it. I did it. We talked as a family and decided, okay, let's go in and hang in there and see if we can work things out. And two days later, we signed a deal. So I keep talking about luck. But if that owner doesn't call, we wouldn't have the Browns today.
0: That's interesting. That is. So the next step, what's the next step for for you, not Pilot, not Browns, the next step for Jimmy Haslam at 65 years of age, what's your next goal? Because you're the most – Goal-oriented guy I've ever been around. So when everybody says I don't have time to train because I'm in the health and wellness industry (sighs) and the sports-specific training industry, but when people say I don't have time to train... I always use you as the analogy of if Jimmy Haslam has time, you have time. So what's your next step at 65?
1: I I don't know if this will surprise you or not, Charlie. I actually want to get a little bit more balance in my life. And I've tried to do that over the last several years for it not to be all about work, but to balance uh, faith, work family, friends. Uh, we had a bunch of couples in town last weekend and just hung out and hiked and walked and ate and drank wine and had a blast. And you need friends. Uh, as you know, you got great friends too. But those relationships, whether they're with family or with friends, mean a tremendous amount. So I'm working hard. It doesn't come easy to have more
0: balance. And, and are you heavily involved, you're huge, the Haslam family's huge in the community in Knoxville. They do so much. I mean, it's amazing what they do, and, and Knoxville's your hometown, we get that. Is Are you just... Is the same in Cleveland with the community? Actually,
1: D carries the, all, almost all the water there and does a tremendous job. Um, we've been involved in the charter school effort for a long time, but she's on a big hospital board, on the United Way board, on the big art museum board, or the symphony board. I say symphony board. So she's doing all that heavy lifting for us and doing a great job.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I mean, I'm so glad. I know we're sweating. We just did a workout. This guy, like I said, never stops. He gave me that time, and I'm so humbled to have you across from the table. It's amazing. I love you. You're like a brother, a father, an uncle to me, a mentor. I know I knocked so many things off you, and I could always tell with Jimmy when you're texting, when you get one word, he's good. We've had enough. We're good, And, and I love you for that, and thank you so much for coming on.
1: All right, Charlie. Thank you, man.
0: Appreciate it.